When is the last time you listened to a podcast about web development, web design, and small business and didn't fall asleep? Yes, we cover web development, web design, and small business, but like actual human beings with personalities. If you're a beginner, we're not going to talk over your head. It's more like asking your buddy for help. We have guests, we have fun, and let me tell you, these two can get off on a tangent. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to HTML All The Things Podcast. This is Matt Lawrence and Mike Curran. That's right, everybody. We are back, and this is episode 121, What's Right With Web Development. I'm Matt, that's Mike, and this week we'll be discussing all that is right with web development, as the title strongly does not suggest, apparently. Anyway, uh, I mean, I'm just trying to say it's obvious. Anyway, then in the web news, the M1 Macs are insane, according to Mike here, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the new consoles, assuming we don't get off on like 1,400 tangents again. So... If this sounds interesting to you and you want to support the show, you can go check us out on that Patreon, leave a review or rating on your podcast app, join us in our Discord server, or share this with your friends. And now it's time for our weekly pain points. So, Mike, please, sir, take it away. All right. So, weekly pain point this week is before Thanksgiving chaos. So, just to clarify, uh, Canada doesn't celebrate American Thanksgiving. We have our own Thanksgiving, which is at a different time. But I work for, uh, like, I, I do contract work for an American company. And everyone's kind of going away for Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So we're just kind of trying to cram in as much as we can before Wednesday. And it's just been kind of crazy. Like literally wake up 8 a.m., work nonstop, like not literally not get up off, off my desk, answering JIRA tickets, answering emails, getting on calls all the way until like the end of the day when it's dark out. And I don't even look at the time anymore. So it's been a little bit insane here. Um, hopefully that slows down tomorrow since everyone's going to be taking like days off and winding down and I'll be able to kind of relax and do some other stuff, maybe some HTML thing stuff for, perhaps. So stay tuned for that. So what about you, Matt? Uh, so I have a, a weird problem. So uh, for years, year over year over year around Christmas time, I was buying headsets. So I, you know, migrated from uh, just sort of always having a headphone jack on my phone to like getting getting Bluetooth headphones. And then I like started like listening to podcasts again. So I started because I like take breaks here and there from like I like go like watch Twitch streams and I watch podcasts and I like go back and forth, stuff like that. So then I got to watch YouTube, who knows? So then I started listening to podcasts again. So I started getting some like half decent, not super crazy pod uh, head head headphones uh, specifically to listen to podcasts with. And then then I got like my various headsets for the for their consoles so i have like the little playstation 4 earbud that it came with and i have a couple of those because i bought some of them on sale um and stuff like that and i've just like hit critical mass of headsets like i was telling mike like a couple of these headsets echo or these headphones or earphones or whatever they are echo with the playstation 5 for whatever reason so like i have to use a different one and the xbox still works with the old one so i use that and then i have like this other set that is like stereo that i use with the playstation instead of the one because it just sometimes i just i don't know i just do that and so what i'm looking for is there's just cables everywhere like there's cables everywhere about a big pack of cable uh like wraps like the little velcro things that like allow you to wrap them up cable ties and i i'm just at critical mass. So I am on the hunt and I've kind of found one, but there are problems. I'm on the hunt for the quintessential headset that hopefully is wireless for some ever that has 20 to 25, 24 hour battery, uh, which isn't, which is, which is actually not a crazy feature. Apparently it's just a normal feature now. So 20 to 24 hour battery life 
that I can just plug into everything. And so I'm looking at like getting one that has like a dongle that I can just plug into everything. But like, it's weird to have a dongle connected to the phone because like, I'm only going to use this headset for gaming, but at the same time, like I want to use it for like on the phone in case I start streaming games. So it's like a weird, I'm in this weird like zeitgeist and like I'm constantly surrounded by tech and literally to my right, I have three headsets to choose from depending on what I'm doing and like three controllers. Like it's getting out of control. <laughs> like it's, there's just headsets everywhere. There's cables everywhere. And I'm doing a massive sort of spring cleaning, even though it is winter. So it's just, that's it. Also small box update. None of the boxes have moved. <laughs> So I'm still stepping over the Damn boxes it. consistently, tripping over my laptop bag every single time I walk through, bumping into the lamp. Um, yeah, that's uh, move your boxes. I am just... so weird, Mike. Like I've just, I'm now embracing the fact that I'm just strange. Like it's if just... we weren't in a time crunch right now and had to finish this episode, I would have told you on on live on the episode. I would have made you move your boxes. <laughs> Maybe I would this have, is like I would a twitch, have, I would have a made twitch everyone line. sit here while you're just like rummaging back there and swearing all. Swing your ass off. So I'm glad that we're on a time crunch, so I don't have to do that. But it better be moved next week. Um, I, this week is busier than last week, so probably not. To be just to be fair, I'll just trip over stuff and swear every time I leave leave or enter the room. That's just how I. Anyway, that's just how I roll. But anyway, um, instead of talking about what's wrong with uh, my office space, we're going to talk about what's right with web development. There's a transition for you. So, Mike, please, sir. Take it away. All right. What's right with web development? So just just to give a little bit of a recap, last week we talked about what's wrong with web development. And so that we're not kind of, you know, just shitting on our own profession and leaving it at that. We wanted to do a follow-up episode <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that actually shows what's right with web development because it's not all bad, obviously. Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing it. We would be going working in a factory or something like that or becoming engineers. I don't know. Uh, but there's plenty right with web development and I'm just going to go through and, uh, Matt and I are as usual going to get, have some discussions on some of these points and maybe get off with a few tangents. If not, maybe we'll actually get to the web news this week. So start it off right now. There's so many great resources to learn from. Like, honestly, that I don't know if there's a, if there's a better way to learn in any other profession, this is for a multitude of reasons, because one, like a lot of the ways to learn are online. And the people that are building them are actually, you know, the web developers and programmers. So they're building them really well. So they know the audience that they're talking to. They know the platform that they're creating on. So it combines to this really cohesive, very well thought out learning infrastructure. So the courses that you take online, the communications that you have online, just the online uh, capabilities of a web developer are obviously going to be way above any other, you know, e-learning platform for like math or e-learning platform for sciences or e-learning platform for whatever, right? Like, because there, there's a disconnect there. If there's a, you know, someone trying to put a course online that doesn't understand how the online system works, there's always going to be these crazy problems. And I had all those problems in college. I had all those problems in university. But with web development, it's it's better. Maybe not perfect all the time, but it's way better. And there's just so many different resources. There's like Udemy, Freed Code Camp. CSS tricks, just like there's a many, many websites like CSS tricks, just calling out one of them right now because I, I visit it quite often. There's like W3 schools, which has all the different kinds of ways that JavaScript, HTML, CSS work, all the, you know, documentation for it at a moment's glance. Like you can just type it into Google. It's going to be there. And then there's creators, right? Like there's tons and tons of creators. Wes Boss, Scott Talinsky with Level Up Tuts, 
uh, plenty of other people that just create for web developers or and create courses, talk about new technology, great ways to learn. Then there's just YouTube and there's a mil- like there's just infinite amounts of information. Whatever you're trying to build, like if you're trying to build an app that can, you know, delete something, create something, a CRUD application that can that has a backend management portal, that has authentication, like secure authentication, that has a database integration, you can type it in to YouTube's uh, to YouTube search and get like a full end-to-end project description and tutorial on how to create that thing to a certain degree. Like there's going to be some specifics that you'll have to fill out on your own. And that's the beauty of it. Like you, that's how you learn. Like that's a really good way to learn. But for, for just the basic setup of the project, the right technologies to use, how to use those technologies, the, how do they talk to each other? There's a YouTube tutorial for that guaranteed. And it's going to take you step by step. And there's not just one, there's like hundreds for just that one thing. If it's general enough. And you can kind of take pieces from this one, take pieces from that one and create a really good product just from learning on YouTube. Totally possible. So I think that's a really important positive thing to have in, in the web development industry. I will say, I will say, like, not to play devil's advocate, but to sort of link it to something that we discussed last week. So something with the what's wrong with web development, sometimes these paths, like whereas like the courses are legit and stuff like that, um, you know, do your research and make sure the course that you want to take is legit. Uh, And there's courses everywhere free and paid and whatever else, but they also do take you down that path. So like I'm saying, like, even though this is, even though this is the what's right with web development, there is still that risk of kind of going into what's wrong with web development, where one person may teach you a very specific way. And whether that way is dated or whether it's something where you're just now like going through the motions and not really understanding what's happening. Like I, I will find that a lot of tutorials and this isn't really with web development. This is just in general. So I, you know, it, it applies to everything. It's, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is people will say something like to, to set up your TV in this particular way, you just plug this into here and plug this into here without, without explaining that this is an output port and it's outputting to like the receiver. And like, there's, there's a lack of like sort of background, if that makes sense, like the, the, the tutorials are, you know, sort of sometimes quick-ish tutorials, like they're 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And so there's that sort of element where they're just trying to get you to the goal without explaining the path. So like do sign, do kind of like look out for that. And also just again to play, like again, I, I do this on the, on the what's right. But the other thing is, is it is, it can be difficult actually to find people that uh, do like a, do like a quick thing for what exactly you're doing. So like the quickest thing normally is you find a Stack Overflow article on what you're doing and then you simply go into Stack Overflow or you take the code from the Stack Overflow or the, the advice from the Stack Overflow and you implement it into your code or try their code and then modify it uh, accordingly to fit into your to your code base. But um, oftentimes you'll get pulled into these like sort of full courses when it's just like, no, I just want to delete this damn thing. And then sometimes you won't recognize like the commands or something. And it's because they, in their full course, like maybe you started at six cause it's deleting, but in step one, they installed some plugin that you had no idea existed. So not to, again, not to play or to play devil's advocate, you know, there's tons and tons and tons and tons of resources out there, but just be careful because with that, there's tons of these little traps. And I don't think anything to be clear can escape all the traps. Like if we go make a course, there's going to be some quote unquote of those traps in there just because that's maybe our teaching style or like obviously you can't cover everything you know even at in university college you can't cover everything but mike is mike is correct in saying that there are tons and tons and tons of 
free and uh, reasonably priced resources out there for you to get started with Gatsby or like whatever you want to get started with. Yeah. And for you to essentially finish, like complete a project, there's tons of resources out there. If you need to create a website that shows all of the dwarves in uh, Lord of the Rings, for instance, like you need to do that right now. Like that's your absolute goal. And you need to have a back end that you can update the dwarves in, and you have to have a front end where you can see all the dwarves. And you have I think, to I think have you found like, your next your next Twitch project. That's was my next Twitch project. <laughs> so all the Lord of the Rings dwarves, and then you have to have like comments for people to be able to comment on all the dwarves, and uh, maybe a live chat in there so that people can talk about the dwarves. I don't know. Like no, talk, I'm just talk making to stuff the dwarves. Up. You got to make AI per dwarf. AI per dwarf. There is a way for you to go in and learn how to do that and complete the project. Whether it's going to be the best thing ever, maybe not. But completing a project is part of the learning process, and you'll learn, right? Like you'll do th- you'll you'll do something wrong, hundred percent. If it's your, especially if it's your first one, you're gonna you're gonna screw something up. But just getting it done and then moving on to the next one and then using what you learned from before is gonna make you a better developer. Having said that, jumping in and just doing something like that isn't always recommended and for for us like when we oh, what, what, what we preach is to learn the basics learn html learn javascript learn css we talked about this last week that's how you can avoid a lot of these problems because if you know those three things really well and you know the basis of the structure then you can go into these courses and be confident that you can correct like self-correct them like there's always going to be like things that are missing inside the course, like Matt was saying. There's going to be like these little connections that are so inherently simple for the developer that's teaching it that he's not going to tell tell you that or she's not going to tell you that. And uh, you're going to struggle with it. But if you know the basics of like, oh, this, you know, this uses a JavaScript API to fetch the data. He's not expl- they're not explaining that because they're fetching the data from their own server. So I have to create, you know, a link to my own server for that. It's going to make it a lot easier for you to solve those issues and build a better base for yourself and kind of mold the course into your own learning platform rather than just, you know, following blindly and hoping for the best. And, and actually, with that being said, too, like, if there's those sort of traps, as I mentioned, and like, as Mike just discussed in a course, it doesn't mean the course is bad. It is due to like exactly what Mike said. It's like the, the person that's teaching the course is trying to be either expedient or they're like they, they they're so familiar with server connections that they just don't assume that anyone like doesn't know that. Right. It's kind of like the con- I don't know whether this is like an actual syndrome, but like I've always thought as there being like a weird consultant syndrome where like we've we've consulted on jobs before of course like if somebody can't afford like our services or maybe they they're not even looking for services but they want us just to consult um and we've like given them consultation and we'll you know skip pieces of the consultation because you won't think you you'll just think that they know that right like they don't they don't understand that there's two different websites they have to log into for this type of thing but for us it's very clear we're like oh this is two websites so what we'll do is we'll have an editor and blah 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 and then they're like hey like why can't i see the other website and it's like totally foreign to them that they have to log into a second website but like to us just by our brief explanation it was so clear that it's sort of like we skipped a piece of the consultation that's that's not to say that the consultation's bad like you're not going to be like the letter a is formed you know you're not going to go that deep and so you just have to be sort of ready to answer questions as a consultant, but as a person learning to bring it back to the show, you have to be ready to sort of pause the tutorial if it's a video or listening thing or whatever. And then you go and find out something on that. So you're like, Hey, like, what is this local host thing? I don't know what local host is, you know, if I was doing a tutorial, unless it was about local host, chances are, I would just say local host and then just move on. Someone else that's just starting is like, what local who? 
And then they have to go look up. This is local host. Like this is, this is what this is. And like, blah, 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 blah. So like, that's, that's sort of where those traps fall in. And that's why everyone's going to fall into these traps. So try to be innovative and try to be, you don't have to like really go ham, right? Don't like try to look up every single little tiny thing. But if it's something that's big where local host keeps coming up and coming up and coming up and you don't know what it is, don't be afraid to leave the course for a sec. Go look at that, look up what that is, figure out what it is. So you at least understand what it means and then come back. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so there's plenty of ways to learn. That's a great thing. Can be a little bit confusing, but it also is a way for you to kind of advance your own skills and maybe offer up your own knowledge to the thing. And I'll talk about a little a little bit in the career path section, but uh, you can shift to a lot of different ways in web development and having all these resources definitely helps with that. Um, to move on here, uh, this one is a little bit controversial, I would say. Very forgiving in terms of syntax and structure. So some people would say that this is definitely not an advantage of JavaScript because they're very much uh, sticklers for you know making sure that all the inter- all the integers are numbers and so that everyone that's reading your code knows that an in- like if you're declaring an integer that's going to be a number. Uh, JavaScript doesn't really have a native built-in way to define variables as certain types of. Um, a certain types so it's like booleans integers strings they're just you're just defining variables with either a var let or const which is a different conversation i'm not going to get into uh, but essentially it's not a type and also there's a lot of different little nuances like for instance sometimes you don't even need to put a semicolon at the end of your line anymore because the newer browsers they can interpret line breaks as semicolons they can put them in your in themselves you don't have to worry about that so structure of your code is very lax compared to let's say like C or even C sharp, right? It's very, very lax. Like you can, you know, one person's code can look vastly different than another person's code. And that could be a bad thing. I can like hundred percent see that I've personally experienced how sometimes it makes for very difficult debugging, very difficult, you know, uh, supporting of older projects because people are writing code in different ways. But on the other hand, to bring in the positive light, you can create your own structure. You can make it. You can make your own rules and uh, you know stuff that you personally understand better than anyone else, or something that you can give to your team to understand. And you can kind of put everyone into that structure by using something like a linter or a formatter, right? So if you really like you know tabs instead of spaces, if you really like the semicolon at the end of the line, at, at the end of the line, if you really like. Um, capitalization of variables if you don't want to do underscores in front of variables if you want people to start typing their variables like uh, you know actually putting the int or the string inside their very inside different variables you can use something called typescript and that allows you to do that javascript is extremely flexible and you can make it rigid you can absolutely make it rigid if you're in an environment that has hundreds of developers and you need to make it so that everyone can read your code easily you can do that but if you're in an environment that's a little bit more lax and you're just trying to write for fun and you like stuff to be a little bit more um, loose uh, and that's fine for you, you can do that as well. And that not a lot of languages have that flexibility. And I think that is a positive, right? Because again, you can have the rigidity. If you're in a company, if you're in an agency, install the tools, you're rigid. Good to go. If you're not, then you know you have you have the flexibility. So next point here is it's constantly growing in popularity. Like if you keep if you keep track of how JavaScript is growing, JavaScript is the language of web development. 
the programming language of web development, you'll see that it's actually growing year over year, right? So it's either the first language, like the most popular language, or like it's behind Python. I'm not 100% sure. I check it every once in a while, but different websites have different uh, metrics for, for gauging popularity, but it's always up there. And it's always growing from what I see, from what I see because just the web development in general, the, the need to have web presences, the need to have a way for people to interact with each other, the need to have for, co- for companies to have a way for them to interact with their systems through the web is just becoming more and more important. And that's not going away. Then the complexity of the systems are also becoming more complicated, right? So the growing popularity is kind of like a, it's a snowball effect and it's a, a way, an insurance on yourself in, in, in the investment of time to learn web development. If you get a job in web development and you, you know, progress in that job and you get another job, like you, it's a very safe career path at this current time, if I, w- I would say. It's not going anywhere. Yes, there's some tools that are being developed that can take over some parts of the web development process, like building a, a business card website that just has like information about how to find you. Absolutely, in my opinion, in the next like three to five years, no one's going to be really doing that by hand. Like no one's going to be creating CSS, HTML, and JavaScript files for like a basic website. Everyone's going to be using some sort of builder. Everyone's going to be using some sort of Squarespace, Wix, something like that. Maybe there's going to be new ones that, that pop up. Um, because it just makes sense, right? Like it's cheap. You pay for the hosting. You don't have to worry about anything. You can update it yourself, all that. Yes, that's taking away some of the opportunities, but it also is opening up a lot of developers to working on more complex projects, right? When you're trying to interconnect a bunch of old systems in a company, like their accounting system and their, uh, inventory system and their management portal for their employees. When you're trying to connect all that and put it, make it available for anyone from any place on earth, then the internet is the perfect place to do that. Web technologies, web technologies can talk to any different types of APIs, read them and do whatever the heck they want with them. So that's why, in my opinion, uh, from whatever I've seen, web web development is growing in popularity, and it will continue growing over the next at least like you know decade. And to be fair as well, like I mean, we're commenting on this like sort of America and Canada. You know, make sure that you check your local job boards. Like if you're looking for a job that isn't remote and you want to actually work in an office near you, make sure you check local job boards or wherever it is according to your jurisdiction to like ensure that there are jobs in web development around. Because Mike's right, like things are becoming. Things are becoming more and more tech savvy. Like like tech is everywhere. It's just it's just a part of life now. And like web tech is you know a part, a piece of that. There's web browsers on smartphones and tablets and consoles sometimes and whatever. Right. Like it's all over the place. Computers obviously. So you know there is work to be done. But just make sure that you know it's something that you want to do. Like if you want to work remote, then just see what jobs are around before choosing something like a course or before choosing something like that. Yeah. Exactly. And that's, and again, it's, it's, it is growing in all, almost all different markets, like emerging markets, I would say it's growing even faster than here. Because like markets like, for instance, I went to Japan a little while ago. um, And their web development industry, I would say is pretty far behind. I don't know if it's their UX or I don't know why they're, they're far behind. Like, I would notice that maybe 20% of the restaurants that I would Google uh, would have a website, for instance. Like they just wouldn't have a website or the ones that I, that did have a website are terrible websites. I don't even have their menu or anything like that. Barely have their opening hours. So in my opinion, like there, there's potential in that marketplace. I don't know why it's like that, but there's definitely potential. And that's the same thing with any other 
you know, large market that hasn't been tapped. And I think it's just going to keep growing from there. Matt's right. Like maybe there's some instances where if you're living in like a rural area and you want an office job, it's going to be a little bit difficult to find it. But that's the benefits of being able to, you know, freelance and do remote work. Like web development is a very easy profession or I wouldn't say very easy, but it's a much more accessible profession to be able to do remote work because we are already working on remote technologies, if that makes sense. So since we're already working on remote technologies, A, we know them a lot better. So we're able to use Slack. We're able to use Discord. We're able to use Jira. We're able to use all these tools to help better facilitate communication between us and our employers and our team. That's a big part of it. Like, go look at the productivity of different teams that aren't development teams, even development teams. I need to a certain degree, but different teams that aren't development teams right now in the like during the pandemic time that are working from home. Every like the studies that I've been reading, productivity has gone down severely in a work from home environment. Like, it's just how it is because it's really difficult to use the tools if you don't know what they're what, what like how to use them. There's a lot of different tools. You're, you're given your, your, you know, you're, you're given Zoom, you're given Jira, you're given like different kinds of email platforms, you're given a million different things that you have to constantly keep up with and constantly see. It's it's not trivial, if that makes sense. If for for us as web developers, it's not that bad. Like this is this is the easier part of our day, managing our communications and managing our tasks and stuff like that. The harder part of our day is actually building the software that manages the communications and our tasks, technically. Like that web developers have to build that software. So uh, it's just, it makes it easier for a web developer to work remotely than it is for a regular worker. That's actually not part of my list, but it should be. That's definitely a positive in the web development industry. If you want to work from home, it's a better industry to try that in. And, and you know what, the thing is too, with that, with those studies, like I don't, I haven't looked at the studies or anything like that to be clear, but the thing is, is like, I think that, and, and it's my opinion that if you're a person that's ever worked in tech and specifically IT in an office, you know that there are teams of people out there that are only using the tools, meaning the computers and the software as a tool just to get their bare minimum job done. They're not immersed in like the ecosystem of the different softwares and how they work and how the workflow is. They don't give a crap. They're only there to, you know, administer HR or like if they're an HR person, obviously, or they're a person that's, uh, sending out, you know, maybe they're managing an e-commerce store. So all they do is log in, check the orders, pack up the orders and then ship them, whatever it is. They're only there for that. And and it's the, it's the eternal struggle of an IT person being like, please submit a ticket. And the person that's not, doesn't care about the, the technical systems showing up and being like, please fix my computer. And it's like, I need a ticket for you to like, I cannot proceed without a ticket. And they're so far removed. Now I will say, and this might be controversial, but I don't care. It is because some people, and it is some people refuse to learn things they're just like no i'm not learning this and to my response always is is this is how it needs to be done that like that's it and you have to learn to stonewall people there are people out there that will let's say just refuse to use microsoft teams for some reason like oh i don't use microsoft teams i just call everybody because in the office i used to walk around and talk to everybody and so i refuse to use microsoft teams because microsoft teams is stupid or like i'm just not learning microsoft teams or the classic like i don't know what that thing is and they're refusing to immerse themselves in it. Now, I'm not saying everyone needs to be immersed in technology, but the point is technology is there to make our lives easier. And technology is there at this point as like literally a lifeline to the outside world if you're in a place that has a lockdown due to COVID or whatever. Or if you're super rural, it's your lifeline out to your office if you're a remote worker, as we've been discussing. 
And so if you're a person that that refuses, if you're one of the people that I'm talk that I'm talking about, the person that just I don't know what that is and this and that. Of course, we all have things that we refuse to learn about. Like, I'm not going to learn the ins and outs of, of Photoshop, right? I want an easy-to-use photo editor real quick. I'm not a person that's, like, going crazy with Photoshop. I'll mess around with Lightroom here and there, but I'm not a person that's professionally invested in Lightroom. I'll just like to play with it sometimes. That's it, right? So, like, there's obviously things that need to, whatever, be done there. But the thing is, is Mike and I have a system of, like, this is how we back things up. This is how we do this. This is how we talk to each other. This is how we move files around. This is where we store things. This is where I throw things. If Mike's not around right now, but he needs to look at something, I just throw it there and I tell him where it is and he knows where it is. Like, there's, like, it's because we're both immersed in this, in this ecosystem of technology that we've designed, that we've tacked on with each other like when we go to do podcast we know that we're doing zoom if we're going to do a call we know it's on teams like it's just that's just how our workflow is and we know it but a person that's like i don't know what this zoom thing is i called somebody once on it and like i don't know anything about it it's sort of like well like you i'm sorry but you need to take the initiative in order to learn that like like we're no longer at a stage in which it's just like i just want to work like at home well like okay you know what i mean like it's one of those times where like if there's one thing I've learned this year, uh, like not like the tangent slightly, but it is, this is legitimate. If there's one thing that I've learned this year, it's to not be so accommodating for people, even if they're clients or coworkers necessarily. Obviously, like, you know, you need to be reasonable within a reasonable thing. But like there, there have been several times, like I, I've taken more charge this year on the phone than I've ever like taken. And it's because it's just like people being like, I don't want to learn this. Okay, well, this is how you do it. And if you don't want to learn how to use this like website editor this particular way, then I'm sorry, but like, that's, that's how it's set up and you throw it in their camp and you leave it. And that's just sort of how it is. Right. But it's the same with the coworker. If your productivity is reduced. And again, I'm not, not making a comment on the studies. If your coworker is being bad at like having bad productivity because they're refusing to learn the remote tools that will allow them to do their job. You have to be like, these are the tools and this is how you use them. Here's the documentation. Here's whatever. Here's this. You know, if you're having trouble, of course, like be reasonable, help them. Maybe you have to go talk to them, uh, you know, on a Zoom call. Maybe you have to walk them through stuff. Maybe you have to send them a video. You might have to be more accommodating. And that's what I mean by flexible. But if the person is not being bent, like bendable, flexible at all, and is not, is not being like, is just saying like, no, I'm stonewalling. Like I'm, I'm stonewalling. I'm not learning this. Then I am like so much faster now at just stonewalling back. Oh, okay. Don't learn it. Not my problem. You know? And of course, if someone's asking for like, I don't know, it's making this up. No, like if I build some, uh, some feature out in a CMS and the CMS is like, you know, difficult to use and they, and they call me and like, it's a legitimate phone call of, Hey, this CMS needs to be improved. You know, this, 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 uh, help text needs to be improved, or maybe we should have less fields or maybe we should have more, whatever. Right. Totally reasonable discussion. Clearly, they put the work in to tell me this because they, they have an opinion on it. Them saying, I don't know how to use this and like things aren't showing up. Well, I've sent you the guide. So like refer to that, you know, not to, you know, it, it's it's not being a jerk, but it's like, it's like you have to, you have to acknowledge that your job is using this digital service. It's different if you're a person that's a farmer and the first thing came to mind, if you're a farmer that farms all year and then tries to go and use TurboTax at the end of the year or something or some sort of tax software and really struggle with just using a computer in general, of course that person is going to need help. And of course it's reasonable to give them 10 times more help than an office worker that that's used to a computer because that person is not going to 
they're not going to like get involved with the ecosystem of tax software and accounting and stuff like that, right? They, they just want to file their taxes cheap and leave, right? That's totally reasonable. But could you imagine a person working at a tax software company and refusing to learn the tool? Get the hell out of here. It's not even that. It's it's the it's it's like a client going to a tax agency that uses TurboTax or whatever, right? And because they don't want to do their own taxes. Fair. Completely fair. We do that. We don't want to do our own taxes. But then gets there and is like, I'm not giving you my tax information because I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's exactly it. Like, I'm not it's helping like, you yeah, at all. Like, yeah, I, I don't know how to do it. Like, I don't know how to get my tax information, so I'm not going to give it to you. Uh, can you please do it for me? And you're like, I literally cannot do that. I cannot get your tax information. If it's a con- like, if it's something really simple, maybe they can. But I'm just saying, like in a complex business scenario, like Matt and I have, we could not just let a person in and be like, "Here, do this for us." Yeah, in no way. Yeah, there's just no way. Like we have to, we have to put in a work. We have to put in a whole crap ton of work for them to give to them to do to do our taxes. Without that, we hate it. Like Matt and I both hate it with a passion. It's but we literally still do it because it we might have to be do my it. most hated like work. Absolutely, thing. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mine too. Um, but we still do it. And that's that's the thing that you have to put the onus on the other people to do. And honestly, I might have another work from home episode, so I'm not going to get too, too far into it because there's a lot of little things that piss me off uh, about the work from home situation. Like a lot of people could have taken more advantage of it and they didn't. Uh, some people don't like it and they want to be in an office. Fair. Okay. That's that's a completely fair statement. Okay, but you still but have, have to, to kind they of they have put, to suck it up and just like yeah, unfortunately, they have to suck like, it up for now at least. Like, come on, you yeah. know. Well, yeah. If if you're the manager and be like, okay, our productivity went down, you know, from this to you know half of it, and the, like it's on the manager to go in and figure out why that is first of all, and facilitate the conversations to make sure that everyone's getting the right amount of information that they need to get during the during their like you know meetings or whatever to be able to do their work from home. Uh, but it's also on the employee to then, to, you know, follow up and make sure that they're getting the information. Like if they're not getting the information, don't just sit there and wait for it. Like don't just like sit there and stare at your computer and do nothing. And then the the other thing is, is like actually forcing yourself to work the motivation of it. But there's the, there's a lot of different aspects of the work from home thing. I want to do another episode on it because I've just been I've been kind of reading up on it more. I've been experimenting with different work from home techniques. Um and I'm kind of thinking of doing a little bit of consulting on, on, on the work from home side, but we'll talk about that at a later time. Uh, moving on here. It is cross-platform potential. That's the next thing that's right with web development. It can You can build a web development project, a, a web app, a website, and have it run on pretty much any device, like consumer electronic device out there. That's a huge advantage. You have no idea. Like, if you're an embedded software engineer, you're building stuff that only works on this essentially either one series of chips, one series of devices, or literally one tiny device, right? So your code will only run on this thing right here, this physical thing right here, unless we buy another one of them. That's the only one that's going to run. With web development, you can build a website and have it run on millions of different devices all at the same time and look similar with UI. That's, I mean, that's a huge advantage. Like you think about it, market share, like if you're building an application for someone that you want the general public to use, what are you going to use? Embedded technologies. What are you going to use? And let's bring it back. Let's bring it more to consumer stuff. So you can build it in Java, Kotlin for Android or Swift for iOS. But now you're targeting only 
and these are still big numbers, only the, you know, Android devices out there or the iOS devices out there. And then you have to, if you want to cross platform, you have to build it with another technology. So you have to go and build it with another technology. If you want it on a desktop, you have to use another technology. So now you're building three different projects that do the same thing, essentially. Web development, you build one code base, have some you know breakpoints in there for, for responsivity, and it runs on all those different devices. That's a huge advantage of the web development. That's one of the biggest reasons I would say that it's uh, it's keeps gaining momentum right it keeps going up and up and up because it's able to we're able to do this and you can even do web development and still write native code and native apis so like matt and i talked about many times we have an episode on cross-platform development but there's a different kinds of technologies one of the ones that we use a lot is cordova and it just simply takes your javascript html and css code and packages it into the native technology native uh, language that you need it kind of puts it in a wrapper and then gives you access to all the different APIs like, you know, proximity sensors and uh, device orientation and flashlight and camera. It gives you access to those APIs at a lower level. And you're able to build that functionality into a web development application, make it a cross-platform, have a lot of really intense functionality. Obviously, that's not amazing for every single situation, but for 90% of the situations out there, 90% of the applications out there, it can be handled with that kind of technology stack. Now, moving on here, uh, inter uh, many technologies that can help solve complex problems. So, for instance, if you're trying to build a website that has a back end that you need to you need to be able to edit a bunch of stuff, right? You need to be able to edit a bunch of content, and then you need to be able to connect it to a front end, right? That should, that the user would see. Web the web industry has many many different structures and platforms that you can use to accomplish this with like a click of a button essentially and i say essentially because there's a little more more complicated than that but there's so many different things that you can do you can have a full you know webflow like project that has a full um, cms which is a content management system and a front end built into each other integrated to talk to each other perfectly essentially at the click of a button right and you can go in edit some information and boom, you have a very complex solution or very complex uh, problem solved with a very easy solution. The web development industry seems to kind of corner that market a little bit more than all the other industries, I would say, all the other different uh, programming languages, especially. Um, like for instance, if you want to, if you want to combine a couple of different things, you can use something like sanity IO, which is a headless CMS. So you have a, a whole content management system built for you that you can edit yourself and it's fairly easy to edit and then build your own front end to accommodate that. And then you don't have to worry about the back end. So you don't have to worry about learning PHP. You don't have to worry about learning Node.js. Don't worry about it. You can only, you can focus on the, the, the easy stuff, HTML, JavaScript, CSS, just use a pre-built solution for the back end. And there's plenty of examples like that. I'm not going to get into every single one. We've talked about a lot of them, but there's a lot of examples that will, there's already pre-made solutions that you can use to solve complex problems. And the, the one thing I will say too, though, is this is like, again, I don't know whether there's a devil's advocate or getting caught in a trap day. <laughs> but um, one thing I will say is that be careful with this interoperability. Like, with all these different technologies and that don't just tack on a technology just because like tack on a technology with a reason actually shop a bit and think about what you want to do, whether you want to build it custom, whether you need it really 
and everything else because every single thing that you add that's a remote service is a point of failure. I've already mentioned on the show the whole like debacle that we had personally with the web flow like embedly going down where like I was just embedding things in or a client was just embedding things in Webflow and then all of a sudden embedly went down at some point they had a problem and then that caused the web flow thing to mess up and then embedly fixed their problem within the reasonable whatever time frame and then then the web flow was still having a problem and it was just like you know there's like a layer there like a remote layer whereas like the more things are together like the more things that are all together in one place that is not relying on a remote service, the more generally, the more stable it is because you're not relying on internet connections, you know, their service status, whether they're doing maintenance, that type of thing. The more you can cram it, that, that, that's why old websites, because remote services didn't really exist or didn't exist much. That's why old websites exist still because people just leave it. They don't even think about it. That's why WordPress sites, depending on what plugins they have, sometimes could just sit there for years. If you turn all the auto updates off, you break all the auto updating stuff, like you just turn it off. You just get rid of it. Nothing's auto updating and it just, it just runs an old version of WordPress. You know, generally speaking, short of the server not no longer running that code, that's just like, that's just done, right? There might be some glitches or something like that, but like that's just boop, done. And then that's like an all-encompassing thing. But imagine if you were a person that was running like you were um, had like a thing where you where people signed in with Google. Now you're relying on the Google authentication system and you're relying on your connection to them and is it up to date and all that type of stuff. So do like shop, do use these services, but do use them when you need them. Don't just add crap on for the sake of being like, oh yeah, like this is going to be great. I'll just, I'll just add on this headless thing just because it's cool. You want to do that on your personal project because you're literally learning it and you think it's cool? Go for it. Client project, maybe like WordPress is good enough for them. Maybe Webflow CMS is good enough for them. Maybe Couch CMS is simple, is like something simple enough for them. Maybe something like that is easy enough for them, typo, whatever. Keeping it local keeps it together and it keeps it, like just as I said, together. You know, it. you don't consistently check a WordPress site to see if the WordPress site went down. And if the WordPress site goes down, generally speaking, it's like the, not necessarily, um, what I'm trying to say is something that's all together. Like a website that runs totally locally that does not talk out, if it goes down, generally it's the server, like the host at the host level, right? The host goes down, something like that. But a website that is highly intricate with APIs and stuff, it's like, well, is the host down? Is the API down? Is my connection down? Did the API update? Did the code base update? Did I talk to like, like, what is going on let, here? Let me put it like this. If you're building a critical, a site that's so critical, information heavy site, let's say that you're building a site that has some sort of regulations that need to be shown at all times, 24-7. Uh, what I would use is JavaScript, HTML, CSS with no API calls at all. I would just be static. everything static. That, because like Matt was you. saying, it only relies on the code that's running currently. It doesn't rely on any third-party code. It doesn't rely on any libraries, nothing. It's relying on the basic language, the basic languages that are built into all the browsers. And if like, honestly, if you want the most reliable thing ever, that's what you have to do. And I'm sure there's plenty of situations where those three technologies, the building blocks of web development are more than enough. Like if you go to a client and they seem like a client that's never going to change their website. And then you offer them this massively complex, you know, typo three solution that has a million different ways that you can customize the site and customize the content. Why? Why are you doing that? Like, what's the, what? Do you, like, this person has literally told you that they're not going to touch the site. They're gonna uh, they're gonna contact you if there's ever a change, and they're they're considering like they'll probably change once they like move and they change the address. 
Yeah. Something like that. You know what I mean? Like in that kind of case, like build why? the site with the basic technologies. Build the building block site. Because you're never going to have to worry about it. You're going to go in there once a year to change the uh, copyright date and that's it. You can even build a little, you know, JavaScript um, function that will change the copyright date for you. You don't even have to touch it ever. And the thing is, too, so, is like mm-hmm. is like with that being said, like just to add on to your thing is like mm-hmm. we have a client that's currently running on a Couch CMS website built years ago, whatever. And they've had a couple of problems. And immediately we knew what the problem was. It was something wrong with the host because like the Couch CMS and like everything that's on that website is running locally and it just keeps running. Right. Like it's just. It was working all this time, you know, yes, there can be a bug that can like cause us something, to, but like in general, it's like, okay, well, you know, this hasn't been reported on the couch CMS forums. So in general, like, you know, the very first thing I looked at was the host and both times, cause he had two problems, both times host problem, both times. Yep. And what's great about that is that usually you're buying a, like you're renting out from whoever and they are, they have like a 24 seven crew or whatever your support agreement is. And it's not like you can go to the data center and fix it. So the benefit is, is like it goes down. Sure, you might have that panic of like people calling you and stuff. But in general, you can go to like your service providers, your hosting providers, uh, service slash status page and be like, oh, they're down. You know, just tell them, hey, you know, we already got people on it, whatever. So you got like, like that's putting out the fire without you having to investigate and actually put out the fire yourself. Because otherwise you're going to be looking at all them APIs and figure out what the heck's going on. It's going to be a disaster. Yep. Use the right tools for the right project. Like, you're not going to use a hammer to screw in a screw, right? Like, it's just, yes. you're going to bring it back to the basic thing. Use the right tools for the right project. Um, moving on here, one of the, another advantage is you don't really need any complex hardware. You don't need, you know, any embedded systems. You don't need, you don't even need a phone. Like, you, you just need, like, a basic computer. Just, you know, anything that can turn on, it can run Linux, can run Windows, can run macOS, whatever operating system, you can use that to start your web development career. You don't need the latest and greatest MacBook. We'll talk about the latest and greatest MacBooks in a second, but you don't need it. I'm just going to tell you that right now. You don't need it to start your web development career. You don't need to go out there and buy a gaming laptop, ten thousand, like you know, a $5,000 gaming laptop. Not needed. Web development tools like VS Code can run on pretty much anything and even vs code is a little bit much for just starting out as well like you can you can fire up a notepad and start building websites that's in in fact how i started out building websites is with just not even notepad plus plus literally notepad (laughs) i think we both did that except i went to notepad plus plus pretty quick and then it took me forever to migrate from notepad plus plus yeah like i migrated but regardless it you can start with a very basic tool like you can go to a store buy a hundred dollar computer and that's enough for you to start your web development career really it, it is an advantage like for some for some things like if you're trying to build an android application or an ios application that's a different story if it's an ios application you absolutely need a mac there's no way there's no way around it that's a hardware requirement if it's an android application you might not be able to get away with a hundred dollar computer i'm just going to say that right now well, i've built a lot of android tools i was gonna say it's like it's we tough. said though like don't cheap out on the computer though like i, I don't want to yes. like advise to people to say hey like you know, go out and buy a hundred dollar computer because your experience is going to be bad. Like if you have bad internet, your experience as a web developer is going to be bad. But if you only have a hundred dollar computer and do not have any budget, you can start that today. Like you can start web developing today. That's, I think that's more so what we're trying to hit there. (laughs) I'm not advising anybody to buy a $100 computer. Good Lord. No one's yeah, exactly. Don't buy, don't buy a hundred dollar computer when you have enough resources to buy a decent one that will last you five years. Whereas the hundred dollar one might last you like, you know, a few months. 
Um, but if that's all you have and you're like, you know, you're keeping it alive and you don't have the budget to upgrade, like, or, not or saying, you got to steal like used or something. Sure. Yeah. You can do it. And yeah, no complex hardware required. You don't, you, you don't really need to worry about what computer you bought and stuff like that. You can get away with it. Uh, moving on here is the last point that I have, and that's many different career path opportunities. And I mean, that's probably true for a lot of different industries, but if for web development, it's pretty wide. Um, you can be a freelancer. You can be a contractor, which is slightly different. Uh, usually with contractors, you're working like for a company, doing a specific task for that company. Whereas freelancer, you're kind of selling your services, like your, your services are building a website and you're kind of working with the company, not for them a little bit. Uh, st- you can work for a startup and then you can gain a bunch of different business knowledge and, you know, do web development on a greater, you know, full stack web development. A lot of the times when you're working for a startup, you're going to be doing a lot more, uh, a lot more across the technological stack, let's just say. You can work for an agency, and then you're going to be a lot more focused in your technological stack. And this is very general terms. Obviously, different agencies, different startups are completely different. But just in general, with an agency, you're going to be focused on like one piece of technology. So like, for instance, some agencies only build WordPress sites. And and sometimes they'll even pigeonhole some developers into specific, like, you only work on the homepage, the landing pages. You only work on the contact form, like something something like that. So... Again, varied, varied uh, specialties. You can become a, a, a YouTuber, right? Like you can create course content. You can create interesting web development content just by programming something and showing how you did it. You can do uh, different dev talks, stuff like that. So people, the development community, it seems, is very... Um, is very much in need of content. Like we're always looking for something new. We're always kind of, we're always kind of on the edge of like, okay, what's, you know... What's the new technology coming out? There's a lot of people in that in that role. Not everyone, but there's a lot of people sitting there and just like making sure that they're up to date with the new web, de- web development technologies and they're looking for people that cover that kind of stuff. So you can definitely do that. Then you can write your own courses, create your own website for writing courses. You can create your own products. That's another huge advantage of being a web developer. If you have a really good idea like a game, if you have a really good idea like a uh, an application like a task management application or a product management or a habit forming application you can create it and you can sell it and you don't have to pay anyone to really do it you have to just pay your hosting costs you have to pay your you know if you're not a designer you have to pay the designs but you can all do you can do that all yourself to begin with especially so it gives you that opportunity to be your own boss right like not only a freelancer a contractor you can create your own product um but yeah like there's just there's a lot to like to kind of wrap this up. There's a lot of positives about being a web developer. And I'm sure like with any career, there are some negatives. And we talked about that last week. So definitely check the episode. Um, what's wrong with web development? And let us know what you think about these two episodes. I like kind of like back, a back to back overview on the web development path. Yeah, I think it's a good insight because honestly, like I think it's going to spawn questions in people's heads that hopefully they ask us on social like hey can you do an episode on covering you know that that youtube path or something and then we could go do our research find some youtubers talk to them whatever and then have an episode about that or like have an episode about like how somebody built a website with an api and a headless cms and like blah 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 blah, whatever like i feel like this is a good sort of opening and it also you need to talk about the negative things like i think the negative episodes like us saying that we like what we're not good at and stuff like that those are important, but they do get less views because they're not quote unquote positive. But the thing is, is you have to have both sides because you can't. I mean, the first thing I was th- come to mind is like, this isn't the TikTok of like podcasts 
where I'm just like, yeah, and you can make $2,000 a day by just doing, you know, like, I'm not, you know, maybe that, maybe whoever has that thing going on where you can make $2,000 a day is great, but I'm sure there's a bunch of grinding in the background, you know, that isn't obviously, <laughs> they're not showing you 40 TikToks of them sitting at a computer trying to figure out how to schedule a tweet or something, you know what I mean? So, I think the the positive, negative, important, and the reason why I'm saying this is I want you, the listener, to, if you if you have a question or want us to dive into one of these things, because we just touched on a whole bunch of stuff, positive and the negative episodes, the last episode, this episode, please let us know on the socials, Twitter, Instagram, probably the best ways to reach out, either tweet at us or whatever, or send us a message, and let us know. Do you want a, an episode on a specific thing that we covered, positive or negative, doesn't matter. Okay, exactly. Uh, let's get that community going. Let's get the community cam- community communication going. Join our Discord and, you know, we'll chat. Um, but with that, should we move on to the web news, Matt? Yes, we should. Let's do it. Uh, so finally, we kind of missed it last week, but let's talk the M1 Max and a little bit of console talk because there's new technology out and I really want to talk about it. I'm using this as an excuse to, uh, to talk about it. The M1 Max. Let me just break it down a little bit, what I'm talking about. Uh, Apple released... Three new Apple devices, MacBook computer, Mac computers. Uh, one of them is a Mac Mini. That's their lowest uh, price device right now, which is like a little mini desktop computer that you have to buy a monitor for instead and keyboard and mouse. Um, they also released a MacBook Air, which is their cheapest laptop computer. And they also released a MacBook Pro 13-inch. And the lower the lower end variant of that one. So they're releasing the lowest spec computers first. Now, what's different about these computers is that they're running Apple's own designed M1 uh, CPU and graphics processor. So it's kind of an APU. It's an all it's an it's a processing and graphics unit all in one chip, similar to their phones. So the architecture is actually very similar to their phone processor architecture, their tablet processor architecture, but it's designed to be a t- uh, run on a Mac. And this is the first time they've done it and uh, the first real performance that we are actually able to take a look at from these. And I think it came out last week and it kind of took everyone by surprise because they claimed a bunch of stuff during their keynote, right? And we all know keynotes are always exaggerated or they're always cherry picked a lot. Like in this specific use case, you know, we're a four, four X over everyone else. <laughs> if you're using like, a, you know, if, an H.265 video at exactly this resolution with this many nits yeah. of the screen's brightness and then do this 15 hours of battery life. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, at negative 60 in the Arctic. And like, if it's three, exactly <laughs> yeah. 3 PM and, and like the, you know, the, the guy over down the street is blowing onto some sort of thing. Like, and the internet goes down in the middle of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's always cherry picked and it's always ridiculous. But they did that again with the with the keynote. They made these ridiculous claims and they didn't give any actual like hard statistics. So everyone, or at least the tech community that I follow, was all like was all very speculative because we've seen it before. We've seen AMD do it, the graphics card companies. Uh, we've seen Nvidia do it. We've seen we've seen Intel do it. We've seen everyone do these kinds of things when they have a bad product. Every everyone does this on their marketing pages too, though. To be fair, correct. Like every marketing page for any product ever it could be like the best fork in the world, but it, they'll advertise be like thirty hours of this backlight on this fork or something. You know, just like crazy stuff. And then it's like, but actually, like twenty four hours. It's like, oh, yeah. well, all right. <laughs> but but for some reason this time, Apple. Oh, here we go. Almost undersold themselves should i should i should i drum roll it it's it's ridiculous like 
some of the performance metrics, for instance, let's say like, um, I'm not going to get into like specific, you know, numbers because I don't have those and I don't want to talk about them. But essentially, we're talking like very similar performance of the MacBook Air, their cheapest device. I believe it's $899 American, their cheapest device right now, has a similar performance and sometimes significantly better than their $3,000 16-inch MacBook Pro with like dedicated graphics, an eight-core processor, and uh, like a ridiculous amount of everything. It has very, very similar performance and again, sometimes eclipsing it in certain workloads. And we're talking across almost across the board. Like, for instance, gaming. That was a surprising one for me. The MacBook Air can game like pretty significantly. For instance, Fortnite, which is a pretty popular game, can run at 120 FPS at about 2 or 3K resolution. Holy shit. I didn't know that. Without a fan. Yeah, to be to be clear, Mike is telling me this. I have not researched this. Yeah. Yeah. This is <laughs> this is without a fan. It can run uh, World of Warcraft, old game, but the newer like it, it it does. I mean, people play it though. People do stuff. play it though. Exactly, people do play it. It can run that at again at about two or three k <laughs> at about sixty fps. And this is through Rosetta too, I would assume. Uh, no, these I think both of these are built for metal. Both of these are okay, built for metal. Yeah, I think Rosetta, that's an Rosetta two. If, if yes, if, Rosetta if true. I believe Tomb Raider is running on Rosetta two. I remember they showed that off. A, I remember that part. At around 30 FPS pretty consistently at around 2K. Now, the, now the, important, the important thing to say about this is that usually emulators, emulators, binary converters, whatever, are usually garbage. And it's usually like, yes. it's usually like, open Photoshop, please. And then you leave, go get a coffee, come back, right? Whatever. Like, like that's the experience that people will imagine an emulator yeah. having. Rosetta 2 appears to, and I've only seen that first reveal part, uh, first reveal video with the Tomb Raider, but like, the fact that they showed it with a game is already impressive, especially a 3D yes. game. It wasn't like Among Us. Yes. So that's the crazy thing. And so usually, and Matt's right, the binary conversion or emulation, people expect one-fifth the performance. That's like a, a good one. A good emulation is like one-fifth the performance of what you would get the same metal like that that's running natively. From what we've seen with Rosetta 2, we're going anywhere from 50% the performance on the low end, on the very low end, to 80% on the high end, which is ridiculous because the processor themselves are extremely powerful for what they are. So they're competing with like these processors that are built for mobile devices like the MacBook Air and the MacBook Pro are competing with on a core-to-core basis with stuff like a desktop class Intel processor from a few years ago. Like ARM, like ARM, the architecture ARM. or whatever, is now mm-hmm. fighting x86 properly. Instead of yes. it just being like, oh, ARM's for your mobile and battery devices. Mm-hmm. And on the battery front, this thing... Okay, so everything that we're talking about here, Matt and I had a little conversation about this yesterday. He's like, well, no one really cares. Like, they're just going to use these laptops, whatever the performance, they're just going to be happy with it probably, and that's it. Like, no one's going to be going out there and this is revolutionary. I think the change, the big one of the big changes is the battery life. People are going to know we're talking, that. exactly, we're talking 18 to 19 hours battery life. That's great. On these devices. That's, I think that's pretty revolutionary. People are, are going to be, people are going to notice that. People are going to tell, like, you know, their relatives that, and that's going to kind of create, a little bit of buzz for Apple, but 
on the professional side, on the web development side, to bring it back to web development, VS Code or or Xcode development, that stuff is running extremely well. So it's, you know, we're talking the same performance, if not better than, again, the 16-inch MacBook Pro, which is a very big, heavy device that's a very powerful Intel-based device with a dedicated graphics card. Like it's it's a device built for this kind of stuff. And we're, and we're talking about a device that's not built for this kind of stuff right now. The, these are the first three devices that they've released. They're going to release way more. They're going to release the, you know, the, they're going to release another 16 inch MacBook Pro. They're going to release an iMac. They're going to release the Mac Pro eventually. Like slowly, it'll take over the whole line. Slowly, like exactly. ARM will, yeah. Exactly. And I'm really excited to see how their higher end processors will scale. Because if we're talking the same kind of scaling, then there's going to be, you know, a thin and light laptop out there that's going to be able to, you know, destroy all of our desktop computers essentially. Well, the thing is too, with like an x86, like I have a gaming laptop um, that I use for work and um, it like all of my, all, like, I've always usually uh, short of my first laptop for school, all of my laptops have always been gaming. And the reason why I do that is because I game, but I also, because uh, I actually find that you can get better components in gaming laptops, like higher end components for cheaper because they just mass produce it under a brand. Like Lenovo Legion is the one that I have, for example. And so it's like, actually, if you really want good performance, which I do, because I'm always on a computer, then it like, it just makes sense to, for me to get a gaming one anyway. Um, anyway, short of that, the thing is, is like all of these gaming laptops I've had, and I've only had two in my life, uh, are very much like, it feels like as if the battery is just tacked on. Like, it feels like it's just like, oh, we made this thing, and then we had to do some compromises internally to specifically have it so that a battery could be here. But the battery's crap, so like, plug in. So, and and, and that's the experience that I, I did buy it, you know, I did realize that, and I did buy it with that. I'm basically having a portable desktop, is basically, instead of having a big tower and all the rest of it, I have a screen all in there, and, you know, it's a portable work machine that needs to be plugged in effectively is what my gaming laptops are. But if we're getting to this point where it's like, why not have something that, you know, is, is, is battery friendly. Like ARM has been running phones for generations upon generations upon generations of product. Why not make it so that computing is done easily mobile on the, on the go, right. Is done easily with a battery on the go. Like why not? Like I think, I think that's the big thing. And also like waking up, I think the guy like, Federighi, I think his name is or something. I don't, I always forget the guy's name, but the one Apple guy during the reveal, like, like that is another thing where it's like, instead of you like, Oh, is windows booting up? Is it, is it restarting? What's windows doing type of thing? You know, not to comment on the software, but like, you know, it would be awesome if windows was just always freaking ready, you know? And I, yep. and I think that we're, we, we started seeing that last generation with consoles with the PS4 and that and the Xbox One having like sort of standby modes in which they would download updates, you know, working in varying degrees. Uh, they would download updates while the console was uh, in standby or whatever, like while you weren't using it. And obviously some computers will do the same thing with the, with, excuse me, with the active times and that type of thing. So like we're seeing this part in which it's just like these, these devices are supposed to be lowering the bandwidth of our work effectively, like making things easier. So now we're making them so that they themselves are more accessible. You're no longer like going to a computer and being like, what mode is it in? Although that still exists today, but we're getting away from that where it's sort of be like, I need to type this up now. Click, like open lid, click, 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 you know, whatever. You just immediately away. You're not like open lid. Is it, what is it doing? Oh, it's updating. You know, there's no longer this like computational part where you're just like waiting for the computational to do its own thing or for you to like mess with the updates it's we're getting away from it which is a big part now i don't know whether we need to disclose this but like 
I think, well, you are as well. I and you are Apple stock holders. <laughs> uh, That's true. Yeah. So just an FYI, yeah. uh, we are both very minor. We're not millionaires yeah, or billionaires or whatever. Yeah, I, yeah. Think, I think I own two or three stocks. Full disclosure. I, I believe that's where I'm at, around that range anyway. So just yeah. just an FYI, I'm not – I just wanted to let everyone know that someone's like, hey, he's trying to like raise his Apple stock. Well, I have two or three, so I don't have that big of an invested interest. But just something to yeah. disclose that I just thought yeah. of. Um, but this is that's the true. reason – I wonder what the rules are are with that because we're not actually like generating income from the podcast Um so I don't know if we need to talk I think about we're that. Too, I think we're too I think, small. I think it's like, important to disclose. To be, to be yeah. fair, though, like it's probably something and, and like I don't know. Please consult the lawyer uh, as the listener there. But like how I'm handling it is like I'm just going to disclose it because I'm not going to hide it anyway. Who yeah, cares? Why not? We're, we're yeah, too small. It's three, we're, it's three stock. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're, we're it's three stock. Like we're, we're too small scale. Yeah. Also, like our podcast is too small scale. And it's like our like our audience isn't big enough to like shift the whole market. Right. We also kind of shit on Apple a lot too. So. Exactly. So I mean, yeah. yeah. So I mean, nice. I I bought into the stocks be, uh, when the ARM stuff was being talked about, like before the M1 came out, because I wanted to get in mm-hmm. on it because I thought it'd be exciting, and clearly it is. So just anyway, that's just just a little I, disclosure for everybody. Yeah. For for me, it's like I didn't think it was going to be this good. That was my thought. I thought first generation, it's going to be like crap. <laughs> it's going to be kind of crappy and then they're going to start building up on it and then it'll eventually get pretty good. I didn't think that they were this far in the process of making a usable computer. And when I say usable, I mean like for the general public, I don't see why you would get anything else right now. Like if you're just looking for something that can, you know, handle Chrome and handle, uh, you know, in your internet usage and maybe some Photoshop and edit some videos, get yourself a MacBook Air. Like, do it up. There's not like I can't I can't recommend you anything else at this point. Like if you're if you're someone that's just looking for a regular computer, why would I recommend you anything else? If this is if this thing is going to beat everything else at at that at the price point and at the uh, the quality. Well, I'll I'll say this though: it, it is a Gen One product. Like not that we're seeing necessarily like it's not it's not a Gen One ARM processor. To be fair, you know, like Apple knows how to make mm-hmm. and work with and whatever ARM stuff. You know, so it's not super, super, super Gen 1, but me personally, like, I wouldn't buy a Mac until their whole line is out because I want to see what that scaling is, like you're saying. Yeah, same here. Like, I, I wouldn't, that, like, I, I for, personally For professional purposes. I would, I would. For professional purposes, I wouldn't do it. Yes. Like, like for anyone. Because it's critical for professional, like, stuff. Yes. Like, I would just wouldn't. And personally, like, I would rather see the whole product line. And and then and then I wouldn't want to buy an Intel Mac right now because it's 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 being pushed no. out. So like my recommendation, if you're a person right now looking for a Mac, is buy a used one, buy a used one, save as much money as you can, and then upgrade yep. to an ARM one, assuming that they're good. But that's that's exactly it. There's too many questions right now. Yeah, like my 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 plan right now, I have a 2013 MacBook Pro as my like mobile device. Mobile devices right now are kind of useless anyway because no one can travel, no one can do anything. Like I can't even go to a coffee shop to work. I essentially haven't opened my Mac to to work on in I don't know a couple months. You got to become a walking commercial like me, man. So don't yeah, s- so switch I, to the couch, switch to the switch to the desk, I, switch to the bed. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's not a bad idea, but like for for me, like all my development setup, it takes a little while to get up and running and stuff like that. So I just can't I can't invest my time into my Mac unless I'm actually going somewhere. And I do like going some places to work. It's just right now I'm not I'm not going to do that. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just not going to happen. I'm not going to sit outside in, in the freezing cold and work outside of a Starbucks or something like an like a maniac. I saw someone doing that recently. 
I went to a Starbucks and it was like five degrees Celsius out. And there was someone in, in their coat working outside on the That's laptop. a bit much. But I mean, if that if that gets them through the day, that's fine. That's, yeah, there, that's there's fine, worse yeah. things to maybe they're just like, man, I'm, I'm sure. having this experience and that's it. Like, I, I yeah. mean, all of us get heads. Maybe they were stuff. waiting for someone. They just had their laptop or something. That, it could have been a million different things. It's just in my mind, I was like, is that watch? It was like an emergency. Like, it was like the vaccine doctor trying to send the vaccine to the yeah. <laughs> Just shitting, shitting on the vaccine doctor, but um, yeah, it's it's exciting. Uh, I'm definitely waiting for the next set of Macs to come out before I make any purchasing decisions, and I'll probably even wait one generation because, like Matt said, for a professional product, it's a it is still technically a Gen One. I I tend to always give like one generation away right to get to for my professional products so i'm gonna wait probably till the m2 or whatever the heck they call it comes out and potentially purchase it there because if there's anything else the other the other good thing about this is that it it introduces competition like actual competition to intel and amd maybe they're gonna get a little bit more competitive put some more money into r&d and try to compete with their arm divisions and stuff like that could be good for everyone well it this is like this is like very possibly like the change of pcs over from x86 although i don't necessarily see yeah, that. Yeah, I'm not holding my breath. Because because at, the thing is, is one, people but... are saying like, oh, it's the cooling systems. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, but people are building gaming PCs to show off, for example. And it's like, they don't give a crap because they have so much room that it doesn't matter. And like, we've gotten cooling of x86 processors down to the point where like, you're they're in laptops. Like, my laptop is pretty damn small. And like, yes, it has a big cooling system. Sure, it would be nice if it was smaller, but it's not like a hindrance, if that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. it's no, like the battery's a hindrance, but like, yes. But I think I think the problem is is that uh, if the pro- trajectory of the M of the M processors is is actually up, then they're going to overtake not only the cooling in the battery, but they're over going to take the performance by a significant margin of x86. And then there becomes a problem of like this thing is emulating x86 better than x86 is running it natively. If that makes sense. I like wonder that if that's impossible, happen. to be honest, but maybe not. Like, it, I guess it depends what it, metric you're using. It's unlikely. Like, it's unlikely. What I was wondering is, like, because it's being emulated or binary converted or whatever the tech is, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but what because it's being converted in some way, I wonder if it's physically impossible for it to surpass it. Unless you're being, like, well, about, unless your metric is, like, battery life. Why, why, though? Why would it be physically impossible? Because right now it's surpassing plenty of laptops on the market at x86. Right, like there's plenty of laptops like out there right now that are running x86 applications natively. For instance, Photoshop. Let's say Photoshop, for instance. If you go out there and buy a $500 i3 processor, uh, like it's gonna do worse than the emulated version of Photoshop on the M1 Mac. I, I think what I'm thinking is more of a mathematical thing, where there's always that step of conversion, whether it's emulation, conversion, whatever it is. There's always that step. And therefore, there's an extra step, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, like, you know, I, I, I just feel like that's always like a constant that will always. It, bump it is it. always a constant, but it always it, it it can definitely be exceeded by just raw horsepower. Like you can just yeah. Like I'm theorizing. Put, I don't know. I need like a mathematician yeah. or <laughs> or like a processor expert yeah. on the on the show to like talk about it. But yeah, it, it all depends on how well it'll go up, essentially, and how and how bad. And how slowly x86 processors like the you know Ryzen and Intel processors will go up. So because again, if this one goes up like this and these guys go up like this, it's it is going to happen. 
mathematically it's 100 percent gonna oh, happen. like yeah i'm sure there'll be an increase but i'm wondering if like i mean not to go back to math class but like i'm wondering if there's an asymptote <laughs> where it's ever it's ever approaching it's not the- it, there's not there's 100 not because again it's just raw performance like if we're talking we're, we're just talking raw performance so the more performance that the regular like the m1 mac has the arm mac has the better it is at running x86 it never gets i thought there was like a limit well- no it never plateaus It'll just keep getting better and better that's and better. Interesting, because I, I just always figured it would be like Rosetta Two that's limited, but maybe the Rosetta Two isn't. Like I was wondering if Rosetta Two is is limited to being like I can only use up to this much power. You know, like I can only have, only have this much horsepower. It's using all of it. It's using all the horsepower that's available. That's why when you're running Rosetta Two applications, your battery life goes down more. Right, because it's doing the other step. It, it's doing it's doing an extra step, so it's doing more to to do the same thing. Interesting. Yeah, so it's it, it's definitely possible. It's unlikely. It's very unlikely because, uh, like, for instance, these processors are 5 nanometer, which means they pack more transistors in, and the current Ryzen processors are 7 nanometers, so they pack a little bit less. So once Ryzen kind of catches up to the node, it's possible that they'll start being much, much better. Right, so yeah. It, anyway, we'll, we'll see. I don't want to get too, too in-depth into this discussion. I just wanted to kind of put it out there that the M1 Macs are cool. It's better than <laughs> better than I expected, and uh, I'll be following them and potentially buying one in the next few years. I would say. Yeah, cool. Um, I guess a, a small bit of console talk because I do have to take off here soon. But uh, small bit of console talk. So I, I picked up the Xbox Series X and the PlayStation Five, and uh, both are pretty pretty damn good. So the Xbox is very much just an upgraded Xbox. So I had the original launch day Xbox One originally, and I also had the launch day PS4 just to uh, mention that. So, like, just, I did not have, like, the Pro versions or the Xbox One X or anything. I just had the launch day version of Xbox One and PS4. So, I'm upgrading from that. And um, the Xbox Series X is, like, really, really freaking fast. I'm playing it on an older TV, 1080p. And uh, it is, like, crazy, crazy, crazy fast. The quick resume is insane. You can just, like, switch games, like, nuts. And, like, I did it, like, over a few days. Like, I played a game and then, like, tr- like turned the console off, which and which I have, like, the instant on on or whatever, which is instant on, by the way. Like, holy, it's like, boop, oh, like before I picked up the controller, it's like, oh, like I'm ready to sign in. Like it's, it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy. Uh, so there's that, uh, PS5, uh, same sort of deal. Um, still sort of same infrastructure or like a workflow or whatever you want to call it of how the other console works. So you have to like put it into rest mode. You don't just power it off. Like the Xbox series X, you have to put it into rest mode or turn it off formally and there's different modes of rest mode as well um for power saving and stuff like that that you can set up i just set it up at recommended so it will allegedly update my games and do stuff like that in the background while it's in rest mode as well as charge controllers via the usb uh so stuff like that because i always just plug the controller in when i'm done because i don't care about the battery longevity of those damn things um because the sticks will wear out before i (laughs) before i kill the battery so um i've literally worn a like gridded like it was like a really like the xbox one controllers are pretty gritty around the thing and i've worn one smooth oh mine too yeah, all, all my Xbox controllers, my Xbox 360 controllers are worn. Are I'm talking about the Xbox One controller, smooth. though, where it's, like, really gritty. Yeah. yeah, it's just smooth. Oh, yeah, the Xbox 360, yeah, it's just ruined. I mean, I was a kid back then, though, so, like... I I, I have changed my PS4's uh, thumbsticks once. Oh, my God. Because I did rip them oh, yeah. to shreds. The first, the first batch yeah. of those controllers definitely just ripped. Uh, I, I just yeah. got another controller because I like the color red, so I just got red controllers. I'm, like, a little kid, just, like, red everything, but... uh. I even have red Xbox controllers. I got two beside me right now uh, in two varying <laughs> colors of red. Uh, and I nice. have a red headphone jack. But anyway, uh, headphone jack cable. But anyway, um, 
point of the matter is like both consoles super fast and we're reaching that point in which like loading times are disappearing and like getting getting less and less and less which is excellent it's in, it'll be interesting to see how fast things load as the developers learn to take more advantage of the console like obviously because the power is there the developers are going to be like oh let's pile more in there more textures let's put some more textures let's put some more like sound in there let's put some more um put some more anything in there like whatever else they're putting in there more assets on the screen more uh whatever in, into their games you know they just pile more and more and more and more and more so that it like maxes out the console so it'll be interesting to see how those ssds because now they're both ssds uh how they keep up that'll be an interesting thing to see um that's interesting i do not like the design of the ps5 uh i think it's rickety i don't like the look of it i think it's too big to be totally blunt uh i use the ps5 sort of as a primary console because a, a lot of my friends are on there but i ha- have been getting a lot of more or less equal usage of Xbox and whatever. Uh, the PS5, I've been playing the Spider-Man Miles Morales because that's actually like a PS5 game. Super fun. I really, really enjoy it. Uh, I like the, the 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 triggers and stuff. I like how it's like they're resistive and stuff. And I have heard that Spider-Man is a bad example of them, but I still like how they've used it. Uh, the game runs super well. RTX, all the uh, reflections and stuff is super fast and all that. So the, the console runs great. I have PS4 games installed. I've been using those and like everything's whatever. That's fine. The one problem I have a weird echoing problem of which a bunch of people on Reddit have the same problem. Plug in a headset, even the PS4 headset, plug it in and I have an echoing problem. And if I turn down the volume way, 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 way down, it, the echoing problem goes away. But then if I turn it up, it comes back. But like the earpiece is not playing loud enough for the microphone to pick it up, or at least it wasn't loud enough on the PS4 and it's the same hardware. So like, I don't know what's going on there. I don't want to like get into like all that, but um, it's, I don't know, something's going on. And I've tried a couple different headsets and a couple work and, a, and like one doesn't, and it, it's very, it's very bizarre. I don't know what the heck's going on. Also the one works if I turn down the volume, but if I turn it way up, it like seems to bleed. So like, I kind of like the, the echo comes back. So like, I kind of feel like Maybe it's hardware, like is the dual sense, which is the controller messing up. But the dual sense is really good. Uh, it is heavy though. I will that's one thing. It is freaking heavy. And I feel weird, like sometimes I'll like go to like scratch my face or something as a normal person. And if I'm like pushing the stick and holding the controller in one hand, I feel like I'm putting too much pressure on the stick because the controller is so heavy. And so my hand is like grasping more because it's like just naturally because the controller's heavier. Xbox uh, Series X controller, really good. Like I thought it was just gonna be like, oh, like whatever, it's the same controller. No. Um more grippy, uh, feels a little tighter. Like, I don't know whether it's actually smaller, but it just feels a little tighter. Like whether that's the texture or what it is. Um, that works really well. That, that, that's really great. Bumpers are 10,000% better though. I hated the bumpers <laughs> on the Xbox one. They always freaking got broken on me or I dropped the controller and they'd get jammed and you gotta like push the trigger and pull the, th- like, no, don't, don't like the bumpers. The bumpers would always break on me. These bumpers feel so much more solid, way better plastic material. This is the controller that came with the console. Way better plastic material, at least in my opinion. Everything's textured now. The Xbox One controller, or the Xbox Series X controller is just like a better Xbox One controller. There's a share button in there now to quickly take screenshots and stuff like that. So, like a capture button, whatever they call it, I don't know. It has, it has iconography on it. Um, mm-hmm. But, excellent controller. Excellent, excellent, excellent controller, I'd say. Uh, so, both controllers are really good. Just a little heavy on the DualSense side. The Xbox Series X software very very similar if not exactly the same as the xbox one software because xbox one software's gone through iteration upon iteration upon iteration so definitely something familiar and what i loved about it was it just like it it 
I signed in with my account. It, all my saves were ready to go. All that stuff's ready because it just like syncs it when you open the game the first time. Super, super smooth like that. And it just like knew that I had a, a console previously. And it was just like, oh, do you want to like sync your settings? Yes. Does it? Boom. Sync settings. So the Xbox series is like the quintessential just like an upgrade. <laughs> it's just like, here's a better machine. And that's it, right? There's not many. There's not many exclusives for it and stuff like that. Like Yakuza is a timed, I think, exclusive or something. Not not to get into the weeds of that, but it's just like a better machine. And I'm at the point where I needed it. Like my consoles were getting rickety. They're old. They were the launch day ones, especially the PS4. That thing was freaking slow. Um, although people kept saying it was like because of the cooling, but like I never, my fans weren't spinning up more than normal. So like, because I keep it, I keep it dusted and stuff. So like, I think it was just getting old. It's having trouble running everything, especially multitasking with a hard drive. Um, so there's that sort of aspect, but Xbox series X is just an upgraded Xbox one. Really, really good. I really enjoy it for F- FPS doesn't dip anymore. Stuff like that. It'll be interesting again to see once developers start throwing more crap into the games that make the console work, how that works. Xbox series X is whisper quiet. It is quieter than the PS5, although the PS5 is pretty quiet. Um, I have them both in horizontal I'm trying to think of what else to say. I have them both in horizontal the PS5, I'm sorry to say this, the stand is is a horrible idea. Like what a what a hor like what a horrible it's idea. Weird. It floats on the stand, Mike. If it's sitting horizontal, yeah, know, it I just know. only sits on the stand. It doesn't sit flat. So here's the here's the problem. I used to bring my PS4 around sometimes. I'd like unplug PS4, put it in a laptop bag, zip it up, take it over. The PS5 is like curvy on all the edges. Yeah. Other than like the bottom I'm, of which I'm you're really supposed to have a stand they anyway. I have a slim version. What's that? Coming out. I really hope they have a slim version coming out in the next year, but I'm guaranteeing that it's not going to be. Well, that's just, that's the thing is like the long sides are like curvy and then the bottom, like the bottom, if it's standing up vertical is flat. Now, MKBHD has his without the stand on there, although you are supposed to put the stand on there and I'm following whatever Sony says with the freaking first batch. Whatever Sony says to do, I'm just going to follow the instructions. I'm not screwing around and mine's horizontal anyway. That okay. I have a shelf that is designed for electronics that get hot. It is literally was designed for like hi-fi audio equipment. I've like bought it and then I put consoles on it. It's like it's designed for airflow. It has a lot of space around it. Even like the like the whole thing is like an angled back. So like each shelf is like not directly on top to allow more airflow. And even the metal stands because they're metal, so it like takes in the heat and doesn't whatever they or so it claims. Um, the metal like uh, things that hold up the shelf have like a hole in it so there's like two small pieces of metal so like even allow airflow in there i used to be able to fit like a hard drive some controllers around the console all the rest of it the ps5 has to sit on a shelf by itself with nothing else on it it is so massive it's a massive console people keep saying it's not that big it's freaking big because it has those waves it's tall it's wide it's big this is the first time ever i am considering potentially buying the slim version of the console like oh, when, like, like when the slim, like I, I bought a, an Xbox 360 Elite just because my Xbox broke. But like, if there's a, if there's a slim version of the PS5 that is a little more slim, <laughs> with the same features and hopefully black. Like I like my my like consoles to just be, like just dark. Like I don't want them to like yeah. stand out. Like the PS5 is like a statement piece, and I like all my stuff to just be dark, subdued. Like I want to look at the screen, not at the console. Those type of things. So. There's that whole thing. Also, software on PS5, I don't like it. It's got to be said, I don't like it. Uh, here's a here's a weird thing. You want to see your friends list, Mike? What do you what do you what do you think you do? Well, you've already told me. Oh, but yeah, you would think you just go you over to, to the friends all the way and then, down. Yeah. No, no, not anymore. So what you do is you have to click the the PlayStation button. Little menu pops up, 
and then you like go over to game base and then you all your chats like which are now like permanent party chats and like text chats are all there you have to scroll past all of those to get to the bottom with the and i thought maybe it was like oh you hit a trigger and it like skips through the it skips past the parties and you like or whatever i tried a couple of different like a couple of different like little shortcuts to get down to the friends no chance no chance or like not that i found yet anyway so i don't know the software's I don't like the PlayStation software myself. That's just me. Like it's it's usable, it's workable. I'll use it. But it, in my opinion, you're very much getting PlayStation software. Like you're getting Sony software. Whereas like Xbox is like a hardware manufacturer second. Like they're newer to hardware and like they know software and they know IT and stuff. Whereas like Sony is just like Sony's more hardware in my opinion, which is why they went like with this big statement piece. Which is, like, my view of it is totally subjective. Like, the look of it, I like stuff that's subdued. They wouldn't go subdued. But, like, it's it cools itself and all that, right? So, like, I'm not complaining about it from a technical perspective. But, like, their software, even on the PlayStation 3 and the PlayStation, like, 4, like, I wasn't a huge fan. Like, the XMB cross-media bar was okay on, like, PSP. But when it comes to a console, it's just not for me. Like, the tiles that show up. Like, here, here's my problem with dynamic tiles. There's these tiles that show up and they're different in each game. It'll say like, oh, go do this quest or like, oh, go do this or oh, go do that. Right. There's like these weird, there's like these like little tiles that show up, but because they're dynamic, I never look for them. I never think, oh, I better go open this tile because they're dynamic. So I just completely ignore the tiles. Now, maybe I'm going to get use case out of them. Maybe I have to force myself to use them, but it's one of those things where it's just like, it's sort of like the live tiles on windows. I'm not going to open up the start menu and eagerly anticipate the content that's showing up on the live tile. Like I've never really understood the point of a live tile other than maybe on windows mobile, but even then like it shows the power of the app, I guess. And there's a little bit of innovation, but it, it would be more, it would make more sense if, if like a live tile like thing was on a secondary display and it was like constantly like showing me information, but it, it isn't. It's something I have to go and access. And I've used one. I, like, clicked on one, and it teleported me in Spider-Man to a side mission, and it was convenient. But, like, I never think of that. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to do a side mission. I wonder if there's a card there for me. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not in my workflow yet. But that that's my two cents. Like, on my gaming podcast, I go a little bit more in depth, and, like, I did complain quite a bit about the Sony software. <laughs> for some reason, okay, the Sony software, when I go into rest mode, it t- takes my TV, and it takes it and changes the input to the antenna input. But the PS4 used to do the same thing, and then that was patched out. It used to do the same thing, and then it stopped doing it. And the PS5 is doing it. So I don't know whether they've, they've built it a, on top of an early build of PS4, or whether yeah. it was just whether that driver is the same. I I don't know. But that, that that's my two that, cents. My friends, is a regression issue. Yeah. But I will say, cool. I will say this: both consoles, thumbs up. I like them both. There's no like there's no glaring issues. Everything I'm saying, even if I'm complaining about it a bunch, is a nitpick. The only thing that's a little bit above a nitpick is the UX on PlayStation's got to get a little bit better. I think they got to come on, guys. Like the capture gallery, I I'm not plugging in a USB stick. Like the play, Xbox has a way to back it up. At least allow me to back it up to a third party service. I'm not telling I'm not telling Sony to get a big cloud infrastructure where they're storing all these clips like like Microsoft has. But I am asking them to at least allow me to like upload it to Dropbox, and not just like to my to my PlayStation profile. Or to YouTube or like, cause I can, you know, upload it to YouTube and that, but sometimes I want the raw file so I can edit it and USB stick. Can't do it. It's just like, it just, it just, it's like everything's futuristic. And then it's like, if you would like this, please use a USB stick. What? Yeah. So that. So Sony has weird software. That Yeah. So that, that's my two cents. I know it was rapid fire and quick, um, but that's, that's my two cents. 
And I think uh, I think we're basically ready to run the old conclusion here, Mike, unless you have anything else to yeah, add about I the think. consoles. Well, I haven't got to hand the consoles yet. I'm going to tell you I am looking forward to getting the PS5. Um, hopefully next year is my guess. That's when I, I, I usually wait at least like six months to a year before I get new consoles. I'm different from you, Matt. You like the day one console to be like, that's your, you know, collector's edition kind of thing, which is cool. But I like, for me, I want the console that came off the assembly line a little bit later, that doesn't have the early issues. And sometimes I usually wait till like a, either a package deal with a couple games or more games to come out or it's a little bit cheaper. So I'm gonna wait till. Yeah, then. you're more utilitarian with your consoles, whereas I'm I'm like a yeah. I'm like a gamer, <laughs> you know. Yeah, you're you're an enthusiast in that in that. Yeah, like I'll I'll spend like I, I like I told you I was like my I, like if my my uh, gaming chair that I'm sitting in right now my gaming chair is worth more than my car. <laughs> So, yeah. like, you know, so whatever, like, I don't know how gaming chairs depreciate or appreciate, but like, it's, it, it's getting close to that being a true statement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yep. um, I think we can uh, run the old conclusion now. So, um, remember we're on that Patreon. If you want to support the show, that's patreon.com slash HTML, all the things, check out the tiers, give that a go. And many thanks to our $3 tier patron, Sean from RabbitWorks JavaScript on youtube.com slash RabbitWorks JavaScript. Garrick from Local Path Computing and Web Design via localpathcomputing.com. Ryan Gatchel from Blue Black Digital on blueblackdigital.com. Chris from Self-Made Web Designer on selfmadewebdesigner.com. Tim from The Web Hacker via thewebhacker.com. DL Ford from dl4.io. And Bib Hashdash from Nine Block Media via nineblockmedia.com. Feel free to leave a comment or a review on the platform that you are listening to this on. And I'm going to let this outro sign us off. You've been listening to HTML All The Things Podcast. Web development, web design, and small business. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you appreciate that we talk to you like human beings. And we hope you had some fun. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon at HTML All The Things. And on Twitter at HTML Everything. Until next time, this is HTML All The Things, signing off.